This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, the return of uh, the old sous chef garden, <laughs> Frank Frosher. <laughs> Welcome hey, back, Undergardener. Thank you, Charlie. It's uh, really great being here with you again. I, I really miss being here, but I've got to say thank you to my uh, buddy, Robbie Lane, for mm. filling in the last couple of weeks. He did Bless a pretty good job. Well, I understand he was ringing that bell a fair amount, he, too. We did have a lot of first-time callers. Well, I hope that's impressive. the case today, too. I do, too. Let me give the phone numbers, right. and then you've got a raft of information. I told you there. I could take up the whole hour you, with, you with really my announcements. Could. So let me shorten my... I'll, be, I'll, I'll employ some brevity here. Hmm. Mm, Four, impossible. One, <laughs> <laughs> the phone number for Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free to reach Charlie Dobbin here at the Garden Show, one eight. 866-740-4740. Our mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. And with that, I shifted off to my buddy here to my left. Thank Hello, you Charlie. very much. Yeah, Good morning, are. Franklin. Nice to see your smiling face. Oh, and by the way, hi to James Patrick Dooley in our ah, yes. He's main control room. He's got a smiling face, too. Yes, indeed. I'm happy to say that I'm seeing some blue sky. Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, morning. A little sun after all the sog. Yeah. Mind you, it was a nice sunset last night. I'm not sure if you saw how pink the sky no, was. No, I didn't, but actually. That kind of boded well for today to be a nice day, to be outside, which is where I will be after the show. I am off to the Delphinium Festival at Plant Paradise Country Gardens. Uh, it's an all-weekend event. Oh. You remember Lorraine Roberts. We had her on yes. the show. She, yeah. she and her husband run Plant Paradise Country Gardens. And uh, it's a special weekend. It's all free in terms of coming onto the site, touring the gardens, shopping retail, there's food, there's artisans, and there's some special seminars. Mm. Uh, Some of the seminars you book in advance, I will be there, uh, I'm just going to say, what time? I think I'm on 12 to 1 today. (laughs) If I can get there by 12, (laughs) I'll be on 12 to 1. And um, I'm completely free. So if you can come and say hello, that'd be great. Plant Paradise Country Gardens, you can look them up at plantparadise.ca. They are in Caledon. Okay. Or just outside Caledon. Yeah. Also on this weekend, that is this weekend, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, here she goes again. You know what? I don't think it is this weekend. I think it's next weekend. Oh, the Backyard God. Glam Tour. Oh, no, it is this weekend. It's yesterday, today, and tomorrow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the well-prepared Charlie Oh, would Dubbin. you shush? Okay. Okay. 15 stunning backyards in the gorgeous triangle. Oh, sorry. The Georgian Triangle and Southern Gray County featuring top local landscape and design artists. All right. This is an unusual... Uh, tour, Because normally when you go into gardens, you see beautiful gardens and, yeah. you know, well-landscaped and mm-hmm. beautifully designed. And 
usually kind of simple in terms of the setup. Well, in this case, all these gardens have been now taken the next level up by designers coming in and oh, and yeah. and show, making them a real showpiece. So almost like they stage homes mm-hmm. when they're on sale, mm-hmm. they're staging the gardens. So that's very cool. Uh, certainly worth go, getting to if you can. More information, www.backyardglamtour.com. All right. Good. That's okay. two things. No, that's only two things. <laughs> Can I, should I keep going or just come Absolutely. back with some more just later? Carry on. All right. right. Community Care Durham, Uxbridge's 17th annual Gardens of Uxbridge Garden Tour is next Saturday, July 13th from 10 until 5. It's a self-guided tour. Again, wonderful opportunity to see beyond the gates of eight private gardens in Uxbridge and the surrounding rurals. Tickets are $25. You get a delicious box lunch to take on the road. That's oh, a nice little neat. addendum. Or you can sit down and enjoy it at the Uxbridge Senior Center. Tickets are available all over the place. A bunch of different uh, locations in Uxbridge um, and in Port Perry. Now, Bob Cajun Community is opening the, their beautiful gardens, uh-huh. nine beautiful gardens, to visitors next Saturday from 10 until 4. The Horticultural Society w- is inviting everyone to the 17th Annual Garden Tour. There's a plant sale, musical entertainment, refreshments, afternoon tea featuring special treats provided by village eateries their shopping discounts oh my gosh it's just a big event so certainly worth checking out uh then you can again venues in bob cajun have tickets available or on tour day each of the gardens will uh, will sell you a ticket as well burlington is sponsoring a garden tour in support of the carpenter hospice on july 14th next sunday from 10 until 5 rain or shine 10 beautiful gardens between the roseland area and downtown core will be showcased um, the cost is $20 a ticket, uh, which is, as they point out, only a loony per garden. Tickets may be purchased, again, at a whole bunch of different places in Burlington, like Holland Park Garden Gallery, Euro-style Flower Market, and Cudmore's Garden Center. Uh, okay, remember last year, Blooms for Africa. I remember last year. Yeah. yeah. You, oh, I knew you did. But I don't know if you remember Blooms for Africa. They're holding <laughs> the seventh garden tour. <laughs> oh. It's Friday and Saturday, the 19th and 20th of July. It's an evening garden tour. That's what I mean. Do you remember? Because it was different. Yes. This was a garden tour that happened in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. So it's at both Friday, Saturday night from 6 to 10 p.m. Bring along your flashlights. Well, and it will be lit. Bring, you know, bring, oh, yeah, bring, and so will bring you. a glow stick <laughs> and a little miner's helmet. No, very, everybody's very excited. It's in the north end of Hamilton. It's a walking tour, of course. It is a neighborhood filled with history and diversity. Now, there's also art and music along the way. More information, www.bloomsforafrica.org. All right, I just I got to say this one. You know how we talk about nine gardens, ten gardens being open for yep. a day? Yep. All right. Now, I've never mentioned this before, but Buffalo has a huge garden tour every year. It's always the last weekend in July. So July 27th and 28th, if you can get to Buffalo, 366 gardens for you to visit in two days. And that'll take me all year. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the 19th annual Garden Walk. It's always um, a wonderful, huge, big event. Very, huge source of pride mm-hmm. for Buffalo as well. It's the largest garden tour in the United States. Volunteer wow. organizers work year-round to bring the event. So more information? www.gardenwalkbuffalo.com Well, the one thing I've garnered from all of that is that a loony per garden would include you. Uh, <laughs> so 
Thanks for that. Well, you're welcome. Uh, I thought I'd just get back in form here. Uh, the talk. lines are open here, of course. Uh, folks are already waiting to talk to Charlie. So let's scoot along through the magic fingers of James in production there. Yes. We're doing a little break. Yeah. Are yeah. we? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. If that's what our normal thing is. Shtick is, right? Uh, the normal well, I thought you is. might have forgotten. You know, no. You've been gone for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, James. <laughs> Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Hey, the guy that sings that little jingle there, I picture him with a kind of a pith helmet and a, a butterfly net uh, <laughs> over in England somewhere. Yep. Anyway, like let's it. get to the phone lines, Charlie. Joan in Brampton, uh, ready to talk to you right now. Good morning, Joan. Good morning. Morning. Uh, my question's about my oleander. It has little tiny rounds, I presume it's insects in clusters at the base of the flower stems, mm. and then what later col- the leaves are red specks on them. Okay, and what color are those little round insects? They're yellow. I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> There's something about oleander that attracts yellow aphids. Okay. Th- that's what those are, they're aphids. Uh-huh. That's really the only pest they ever get, because oleander are a very tough tropical plant. The, the leaves are like leather. Uh-huh. Most insects just don't even go near oleander, but now, with all that lush, tender tip growth, uh, the aphids are taking advantage of all the juice and okay. sucking it out. But it's interesting. I mean, there are green aphids and black aphids, and there are yellow aphids, but you rarely see them on uh, any other plant other than oleander. So your job right now is you could do a couple of things. One simple thing is just get out the hose, put it on a pretty high-pressure spray, mm-hmm. and give a real – not really I hard. I tried but, that once and it didn't work. Well, I was going to say, the reason I don't like that system is that, of course, you kind of blow off some of the aphids, but you – typically blow them on to something else, right? Mm-hmm. So you really are just end up spreading aphids all over the yard. Very simple as well. If you have uh, soap on hand, not detergent, but either own some soap or you want to buy some uh, insecticidal soap, it's a 40 to 1 water to soap ratio. And you spray thoroughly all the tips of the entire plant. Make sure the plant is not in, out in the sun when you're spraying it. Get into a shady location. Try not to do soap spraying at the peak heat of the day. Try and do it early in the day or late in the day because soap, believe it or not, is effective at killing insects as long as you do a good thorough spraying, but it's also quite stressful on the plants. So just you want to make sure, like I said, in the shade and not too hot uh, of temperatures. Good thorough uh, soapy spray. Let that soap sit there for 45 minutes or so and then wash the soap off and put the plant back out in the sun. I tried a mild... uh a mixture of dish detergent, that didn't work. No, you see, detergent doesn't work like soap. No. Detergent has emulsifiers in it, and of course it's the emulsifiers that um, means, that so it doesn't stick. What, soap works because soap sticks to the bodies of the insects, yeah. and that's what kills them, because they breathe through holes in their bodies. Mm-hmm. It re- it's very effective. If you can coat their little bodies in soap, they can't breathe. Our lo- a local nurseryman here suggested trying a a, f- a flying insect killer. It's made for the chrysanthemum flower derived mm. from that. Oh, yeah, which is the pyrethrins. Yep, that works yes. as well. Is that all right to yep. use? Either one will work fine, but okay. use that same uh, process like I mentioned. Do your spraying in the shade and don't do it at the heat of the day. Okay. 
okay? All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Joan, for uh, joining us here on The Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio as we broadcast live from the Zoomerplex mm-hmm. in the Liberty Village, beautiful part of Toronto. And uh, we're going... Oh, hey, uh, how about this, friends? Carol from Scarborough... First-time caller. Hello, Carol. Hello, I'm a first-time caller. I listen to your show every single Saturday morning. Oh, that's great. I'm a real fan of this show. I have a humongous problem that nobody can help me with. I have a 20-year-old fish pond. Mm -hmm. I live in Scarborough in a very nice community, and my fish pond's 20 years old. Not even a raccoon has troubled me with it. Suddenly, I have this mink who found my backyard and has eaten fish that are 20 years old. Oh, my goodness. No. He's eating the lily flowers. Oh. My water hyacinths, my um, water lettuce. Um, we, my husband's electronic engineer. We put a wire across so that mm-hmm. if he got Good into idea. the pond last night, he would get zapped. He lifted the wire and put it on the other side of the interlock. Oh, my God. And then went messing up my pond, the silk from the bottom, my plants eaten that bloomed this morning because of the sunshine. Uh-huh. I don't know what to do to get I'd send him a bill. I'd send him a bill. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Now, now, you're sure it's a mink. You've seen it up close and personal. I saw it up close. Yesterday, I sat on in my backyard steps, and he just kept coming back and forth. Oh. I had to keep banging a stick while I waited on hold for 45 minutes with um, the wildlife yeah. people. Yeah. They said, oh, well, we can't do anything because it doesn't, it's not sick or, or injured. And I pretended that it had rabies, and maybe it was foaming, and they would tell me what to do. They said, Good idea. go build an electrical fence. Um. I just put up a brand new fence with my neighbors that cost us a fortune. Oh, my to God. To prevent any children so that we would have a new fence with the pond, but with the, we still had a, a large, very high old fence that no children would get into. Yeah, this yeah. is a senior neighborhood anyway. There is no kids here. But I don't know what I'm at my wit's end. It, today I can talk. Yesterday it you gave me fuming. such a stressful afternoon. My asthma was unbelievable. Oh, what a I shame. Breathe. I, I don't know what Charlie's going to tell you, but here's my solution. Try okay. to inveigle more minks, <laughs> then wind up with a mink coat. Yeah, uh, that's what I said to the government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, gee whiz. Charlie, uh, what well, sort of help can you be here? Wow. Well, it's unusual. I don't usually think of minks as being a problem. I mean, we normally have things like raccoons as problems. Yeah, yeah. And so, the raccoons haven't touched this yeah. pond. And, uh, and, of course, they'll take fish if they can get them. I mean, that's kind of part of it. But, of course, a mink swims way more. It's oh, like yeah. a exactly. muskrat. This thing just dived oh, in. Yeah. I've watched them. Yeah. Oh. So I'm just doing a quick Google here because I can't. The, I mean, obviously, the one thing that comes to my mind is maybe somebody who's listening is a retired trapper who just happens to have a mink trap in their garage or back 40 and would come over to your place and set a trap. Because really, that, that's the only that's, answer, I guess. I yeah. think that's really yeah. the only answer is to trap.
trap it. Now, what you would do with it once it's trapped, uh, uh, I mean, this is all kind of, I guess, minker. Drive it away somewhere and let yeah. it go well, into uh, a park yeah, area. Well, into the exactly into the woods. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it just it does say here that um, now this is a lot of this information is from the UK. So obviously, mink are a problem for gardeners in, in the UK as well. It does say mink have only one weakness. They cannot resist exploring tunnels, and that enables us to control them. There are two effective methods to trap mink. So there's the live capture cage traps, which are based on a tunnel system where the mink enters the tunnel to take the bait and out of curiosity and the trap springs closed, and now you've got the mink. And, of course, then it's a question of of heading off into the woods to let it go. Or then there's the lethal catch traps, which are the ones that uh, I think of as, you know, up in the north when we – and the Hudson's Bay Company and all that, you know, trapping of beavers and minks and otters and all that over the years. So you would probably want something like a live capture cage trap. Um, right. In Britain, there's something, there's the Albion cage trap. Uh, they recommend this one for trapping minks. So Albion cage trap, if you want to Google that, see if that's available. I don't have an internet. I'm no. too old and I kept telling that to the every department I tried mm. of wild, wildlife yesterday, mm-hmm. I spent hours on the phone. Now, there, so there's the government wildlife control, and then there's the private companies out there. So maybe that's your other thing. If you're willing to spend a few dollars to get this problem looked after, is just go to your yellow pages, start at, you know, under pest control, and you'll see there's all kinds of different companies out there. I mean, I see them driving around their vans with cages and ladders, and they'll look after raccoons in your attic and squirrels in your fireplace. And, and Mink in your pool. Mink in your pool, yeah. exactly. Uh, so okay. that's you the- were the only people <laughs> I could think of that could give me a logical answer, possibly. Oh, well, there you go. Well, bless your heart you. for listening, a- too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for your call. It's a pleasure to finally be a first-time caller. Yeah. <laughs> there you don't go. Don't forget my chimes. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I get- here we go. There. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. Have you a wonderful got day. Got your wings and good luck. Uh, Thank you, you. betcha. Bye-bye. Okay, we, uh, we do have to take a little bit of a break here, and we'll be back in just moments to have a word with Kim. Uh, and... Even, I've even got James Dooley doing it now. Uh, he started his exercises, exactly. for God's sake. I mean, he's probably taking and, Sierra Silla well. As well, heavens knows he needs it, you know. <laughs> he's been packing on the weight there in the summertime, all that beer. <laughs> you know? Oh, he's ready to take oh, you I on. Know. Yeah, Kickboxing, yeah. here we go. See, he knows outside, I do boys. all this when I'm behind a glass yeah, yeah. door. <laughs> take it outside, boys. <laughs> all right, we're being silly here and talking about beating each other up, though we would never do that, but just being active and doing our exercises and doing it with a smile. Yep. No pain. Pain in this corner, Sierra Sill keeps our joints nice and lubricated and keeps us out of pain and active. So it's just a completely natural mineral supplement. Comes from the Sierra Mountains. We don't really know how it works. We just know it does. More information: one eight seven seven joint fourteen, or check them on the web sierrasill.ca or give them a, uh, or pick up Sierra Sill at a local health food store like the Big Carrot here on Danforth Avenue. You got it. S I E. R-R-A-S-I-L Don't change the radio station Just because the weather changes Garden tips and advice all year round This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin Exclusively on Zoomer Radio AM 740 Well, let's say we uh, zip along here Just after I give you the phone numbers uh, To a caller in Brampton 416-360-0740 That's for Toronto and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740 to reach Charlie here on The Garden Show. Now, Kim in Brampton, all set to talk to you. Hi, Kim. 
Love your show. Morning. Thank um, you. Um, avid listener. My, what I'm doing now is I have outside plants mm-hmm. in pots, and I put sprinkled blood meal in there mm-hmm. to keep squirrels away, and I feed my squirrels, and I have tons of bird feeders, so mm-hmm. not anti-wildlife here, but can, what impact does that have on the plants? Does it harm them? And what is the purpose of blood meal? <laughs> Good questions. Okay. Uh, okay, so blood meal is from the abattoirs. Uh, it's one of the byproducts, just like bone meal is crushed up bones. Blood meal is um, obviously blood that's been heated to a very high heat to kill off any of the microorganisms. And then it's all dried down into a granular form. If When you look at the box, usually it's sold in a two-kilogram box, it'll usually have a numbers on it because it is used as a nu- nutrient or a supplement for our plants. And the numbers that, you know, again, we think about our fertilizer numbers. There's always the three big numbers representing nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in that order. Blood meal is usually numbers like, could be 300 or 500, which tells you that blood meal is very high in nitrogen, but has virtually no other um, nutritional value. So, what is the impact? Well, think about what happens when we feed a lot of nitrogen to our plants. Um, lawns are a good example. A classic lawn fertilizer is 2177, so big high nitrogen number to feed and, and create lots of green growth, green leaves, green stems. So if you're feeding your potted plants with a lot of nitrogen, you're going to find you have a lot of green leaves and green stems because of that high level of nitrogen and perhaps not a lot of flowers and fruit. So it kind of depends what you're growing in the pots. Um, geraniums and fuchsia and begonia. Okay, and how are, how are the flowers flowers? Well, there's a, there's a, you know, in one pot, I'll have like three or four blooms on mm-hmm. them. But I was wondering, maybe it was because of all the rain and the shade. I don't know. Well, that's the other thing is that when it rains and rains and rains, as it has been, we end up with a lot of what's called succulent growth. So the new growth is full of water. All of our plants right now are just just full, full of water. They're very soft growth because of that. Now, nitrogen will encourage that as well. So your plants are probably growing like gangbusters. uh, And again, lots of succulent growth, perhaps not as many flowers as you'd like to see. Um, All that succulent growth can be very attractive to things like aphids. So do check daily Mm -hmm. for insects on the plants. Um, And and if these are annual plants that are going to ultimately go in the composter at the end of the season, then no big deal. But we do want to be careful that we don't overfeed a lot of nitrogen to plants that we want to keep over the winter for next year because all that pushing of, of young growth can be detrimental once we're past the midsummer point. So once we're into August, we don't feed our perennial plants anymore, but annuals, no problem. Okay, thank you very much okay. for your help. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank Thanks for the call. Take care, Kim. Thank you for calling Garden Show from AM 740 Zoomer Radio. Charlie Dobbin on the air with us right through to uh, 10 o'clock here. And we have a caller from now. This is uh, interesting. Bomb Beach, not Palm. No, it's balmy, I bet. It must be. Well, let's find out from Gwen. Gwen. Hi, Gwen. Morning, Gwen. Good morning. Yes. Are you calling from Balmy Beach? Yes. Ah, okay. Welcome. Uh, just seven miles west of Midland. Mm-hmm. Okay. On Georgian Bay. Mm-hmm. Nice place to be today. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I'm calling about poppies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we planted poppies seven years ago in memory of my husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were uh, a red. They weren't a vibrant red, but they were a red poppy. Mm-hmm. And they're doing beautifully. They come up every year. But this year, they were a vibrant orange. Uh, 
color. Yep. They weren't red, they mm-hmm. were orange. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered if you'd heard of that or what happened. <laughs> well, okay, so this is an interesting question. I was sent an email on this exact same question, and I've experienced this in my garden as well this year. Plants that have typically been a color, a different color, yeah. suddenly this year are growing different. Oh, so if, in is my it case, the weather? Uh, well, I think it's the weather, and I think it's, well, see, a lot of things affect color and our perception of it. Mm-hmm. Typically, plants will not go sort of from purple to white, and yet there are some examples of irises doing that. Uh-huh. I have um, what's called a peach bellflower that's always been blue, and all of a sudden this year they're growing white. And, and in your case, something that was red is going orange. I think it's the moisture levels. It's the yes. high level of moisture, which is affecting the, the chemistry within the plants. That because, could be because we didn't get, we're not getting and haven't got the, the rain that is all around us. Oh, okay. And uh, I just want, when they came up there, and my neighbor at the back has them, and mm-hmm. they were red, mm-hmm. but mine were just vibrant. They were beautiful, yeah. but they were real orange, yeah. not red at all. Yeah, so sometimes we're not sure that it could be a whole different plant that somehow has blown, you know, seeds have blown in, or a bird has dropped, or a squirrel has dropped into our garden. So there's always that chance that what we're looking at isn't the same plant as what we were looking at last year. But when we do see variations in color, it does like I say, it comes down to the pH of the soil, the pH within the plant, mm-hmm. the fertilizer or the you know various mm-hmm. minerals that are available to the plant based on the pH, and moisture and temperature. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things going on when it comes to color perception. So uh, what I would do is, I mean, take pictures for sure this year and see what happens next year. Yes, I year. did, yes. And, uh, and let us know. I, I think you'll find that... When this has not been a very average year, it's been so cool and it's been such a long spring mm-hmm. that uh, I think we're seeing some variations in our garden as a result. Oh, well, that's fine. Okay. Thank you. I just wondered if, you know, <laughs> yeah. what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Whatever yeah. happened, I think, will unhappen next year. Okay. Thanks okay. very much. Okay. Keep Thanks. in touch, Gwen. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Yeah, the Garden Show on the air from AM740, Zoomer Radio, as, oh, hey, wait a minute. Oh, that's for and- George and Aaron, first-time caller. Hi, Ed, George. Yes. Good morning. Uh, yes, I have a uh, burning bush mm-hmm. that I understand uh, spider mites had attacked. Oh. And uh, what makes you think spider mites? Well, my daughter had uh, had a similar problem. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And when she looked at the underside of the leaves, mm-hmm. she said that's what it was, and it killed a like a full size tree at their place. In oh my. Two weeks. Hmm. And anyways, it went out the uh, burning bush, mm-hmm. and I uh, got some insect spray and got on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've saved half the tree. Mm. Okay. Well, so half of it is all kind of brown and curly, no, or the, the, the one half is is still green. Mm-hmm. And the other half, the leaves have all dropped off, or uh, the... yes, and the uh, stalks appear as if they're dead as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your question is what to do moving forward. Well, I'm wondering, should I cut the stalks back uh, that are, uh, that the leaves have all fallen off? They appear to be dead. There's no new growth on them. Now, the rest of the plant is... Uh, Looking okay. Uh, yes. Okay, so just to go back, um, spider mites are typically not a huge problem for us here in Ontario or Canada at all because spider mites don't survive over the winter outside. They are a big problem in greenhouses 
because of the nice temperate temperatures in there. But st- nevertheless, yeah, spider mites sometimes will arrive in our gardens. We typically know we have spider mites. You rarely see the mites. It's tiny. It's, you require a magnifying glass to see it. But you will see webbing. Uh, you'll see webbing on the undersides of the leaves. You'll see webbing in the crotches between where the leaf and the stem come together. Uh, if you get down and you know get the, the sun on behind the plant, uh, spider mites suck the juices from the plant. That's what they appeared to do. Yeah, from the underside of the leaves. And so the green of the leaf suddenly doesn't look green anymore. It gets all stippled looking and it gets this funny look to it. It gets all kind of golden and green all at the same time. And yes, ultimately, if it's a bad infestation, they can certainly annihilate plants. They are tough to kill. There really are not any good insecticides for killing uh, spider mites. They're completely resistant to all chemical insecticides. Uh, But if you feel that you've eradicated the problem... What I would do is I definitely would get out my pruners on a dry day, which today might be a good one to do this. And I wouldn't go right down uh, to the very bottom of the branches, which have no leaves on them at all. I would go down, start about four inches down, do some trimming and see what... four inches up from the root like? No, from the tips. Because what I think you may find is that the plant is alive. It's just got no, like you said, no new growth. And I think rather than sort of taking out that whole half of the plant right down to ground level, what would be, would be nice would be to, uh, if it is alive, just force it out of dormancy. Rejuvenate it. Yeah, yeah. And, and not lose the shape entirely. So I would start trimming, like I said, four or five inches down from the tips and, and look and feel the, the branches as you're going. If they are dead, they're going to be crispy and dry and hard, and you're going to see that they're, they're brown in the center. The pith will be brown. However, if it's white and clean and soft as you're cutting in, then just do a trimming on all of it that way and see what happens. I think you'll find that that will force out growth, dormant growth, that is there. You're just not seeing it. It's under the bark. So I cut it back about four inches or so or so, mm-hmm. until I see, uh, you said, like, green in the center? Uh, white. It'll be white, white in, the, in center. the center. Yep. And if you don't see white, then cut four more inches off. You know what I'm saying? Like, keep going uh-huh. down until you find live wood. Yeah. And, uh, and then that way, and then stop. Like, just shape the plant so that it doesn't look too wacky in terms of being yeah. super one-sided. And then uh, and let it go. Let it grow back. If you haven't fertilized at all this year, I would fertilize now. I have fertilized oh, it. Okay. Okay. So don't do that again. along real well. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're great plants to have. I mean, they're so beautiful in the fall. We really, you'll miss it if you lost it. And of course, it probably looks rather silly right now with just one side. It does, yes. One side's uh, green, the other side's nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, ultimately you might end up just removing that whole side where nothing is growing because it might truly be dead right to the bottom. But But err on the side of caution. Take it down slowly. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Thanks so, much, so much, George, for joining us. First time caller. Always a pleasure. Yes. Uh, and we Welcome. have to take just a wee break here. Um, and I am not going to do this alone anymore <laughs> since I've gotten flack from my buddy in the next room there, James <laughs> Patrick Dooley. We're flack. both, James, going to be doing X. So stand up. Uh, up there you we go. Are. All right. There, there they go. We are. We're doing our There they go. Doing oh, our well, I'm going to bring you in some. Oh, he's doing the old muscle thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, smiling from ear to ear, the indeed, two of them. Indeed. Yes, indeed. And why are they doing exercises on the garden show? Because they're getting ready to get out in the garden, sure. right? Don't want to be stiff, got to stay limber. And we can stay limber because we take CRSL, which allows us to stay active and pain-free. Uh, works for us. Doesn't work for everybody. There is a 14-day guarantee. If this product doesn't work for you, all your money is returned. And Hence that's the name, really. That's yeah. where the phone number comes from, one 877 joint 14. Product is called Sierra Sill. Website is sierrasill.ca. And it is available in many health food stores. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Uh, well, let's take a little trip to an area I'm uh, quite familiar with, St. Catharines, and say hi to Anne. Welcome to the show, Anne. Hi, Frank. Yes. And hi, uh, Charlie. Good morning. I must say your advertisement for Sierra Sill is very good. I don't take it, but it sounds good. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, uh, Charlie, I phoned you about this philodendron mm-hmm. of mine uh, some time ago. Mm-hmm. It's the type that uh, it's a type of philodendron mm-hmm. that grows in Florida out of doors. Well, this one has given a shoot, a new shoot, and it's got four leaves on it. Mm. It's inclined to uh, collapse a bit, so I've supported it. Should it be uh, transplanted, the, the new shoot? It could be. And how would I go about it? Well, your philodendron's in a pod, isn't it? It is, yeah. yes. It's quite... Large, yeah. so I don't even Move fertilize it, it no. or take it out because it's pretty yeah. heavy. Yeah, I bet. So that's fine. But if you want, okay, so you have two options. One is you can just allow that new shoot to grow and add to the fullness of the plant. Mm-hmm. Or number two would be to get a sharp knife uh, and go with your sharp knife. In, and you're actually going to use that knife and cut into the soil, down in the soil, and you're going to sever the baby plant from the mother plant. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that shoot and a little bit of root attached. When you cut down through the soil and you lift the little baby out, there will be, there should be some root attached to it, and then that little little plant can be put into its own pot. Small okay. pot. Start with a small pot. But Four as inch, you six say, inch. it can be left as yep. is? Yep, it could be left as is. Okay, and it doesn't uh, tamper with the main plant? Not at all. Nope, nope. It's just going to, like I say, add to the fullness of the plant. I know, that's right, because it's rather bare at the bottom. Well, there you go. All right, maybe <laughs> I'll just let it remain. Excellent. <laughs> thank you, Anne. All right, good. thank you, Charlie. Have a good day, both of you. Thank you, you Anne. You too. Thanks so much. Uh, let's. Oh, my goodness gracious, let me look at this. Alan in Mississauga... First time caller, welcome aboard. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks. Um, I, I mistakenly, I believe, uh, planted a magnolia tree and a peach tree with mushroom compost only. And uh, not to say that, I mean, both of them are flourishing, mm-hmm. uh, but um, I just read the directions on the front of the package, and I just assumed that, well, that's all you need. But mm-hmm. when I turned the package over, it said, well, you should mix it with other soil. Mm-hmm. Now, should I 
kind of dig that um, that compost out on the, on the sides and put three in one soil. When did you plant them? I planted them a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And they're looking good. They're flourishing. They're, they're still looking good, yes. I, I was going to say, the mushroom compost, they're loving that. <laughs> now, in your soil, your natural soil where you're grow- gardening, is it fairly heavy clay soil? Yes, it is. Right. So that, you know what? No worries. What's going on? Well, I guess what's going on is that the a lot of microorganisms and worms and sow bugs are moving around in your soil and they're going to be very attracted to that mushroom compost as well. Okay. So they're going to help do a bit of a mix there for you. You <clears throat> properly should have done a mix when you planted. Right. Uh, but you didn't and but I wouldn't disturb them now. I would let them be and I wouldn't be concerned about uh, anything. The, the only concern I would have and this happens if we plant into clay soil sometimes. We dig a hole that ends up having like a it's almost like a bowl in the ground. Yes. Smooth sides and a smooth body and it's that hard clay all around. Mm -hmm. Then we plant with our lovely soil, in your case, mushroom compost, into that hole. And what can happen is that when it rains and it rains and it rains, the water, of course, will percolate beautifully through the mushroom compost and then it'll sit in that clay bowl. And that can be detrimental ultimately to the plants. So that's the one thing to be aware of when we plant into clay soil is you really want to, they call it scarify the the inside edges. You really want to rough up that clay bowl bowl and make it as, as yeah as yeah. uneven as you can so it's not smooth sides I see. Um, so um, ultimately um, just one last question about it um, w- would it be harmful now to <clears throat> to do what I suggested at the beginning um, <clears throat> about uh, putting three in one three in one soil around it or um, should I just wait and, and, and then see if uh, there's any problems with the growth or whatever? Well, it could be harmful because if you start digging out some of that mushroom compost, there's going to be little feeder roots that are going to be disturbed and I it's see. going to be harmful. And if you don't dig out some of the mushroom compost and you just add soil, then you're raising your grade around the plants and that's going to be harmful. Okay, fair enough. But you could always remember that we do every year want to add organic material to our gardens. Right. So moving forward, say next spring, for example, then it would, might be very appropriate to sprinkle mushroom compost around some of your established plants. Mm-hmm. But in the yeah. case of these guys, you're going to want it to sprinkle some, like you mentioned, triple mix or topsoil. Okay. Okay. Thank you very, very much. Oh, Thank you're very you, Ellen. Welcome. Thanks Bye-bye. for the call. Have a wonderful weekend. Beautiful weekend it is, too. Uh, it and is. Uh, just a note that has come flying through the magic fingers of James uh, under our monitor here. Oh. A caller is asking for your email, Charlie. I just uh, happen to have that handy. Do you really? I, okay. All right. You are so prepared. I ju- <laughs> <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter if you don't want to email me. My Twitter handle is at Charlie Dobbin, one word. But my email address, get your pencils out, c.dobbin. So D-O-B-B-I-N, c.dobbin, at mzmedia. So that's one word, mzmedia.com. Right, or MZ Media, if you have to be listening from the States. Well, well we, gotta, you know, no. we do have listeners. We're going to train our American listeners to speak Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, okay, let's get to uh, oh, a Toronto uh, caller here, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I'll remind you of the phone numbers as well. I got a little dig in the ribs uh, to do that. <clears throat> I should give you a real dig in the ribs. You should. one 866 anywhere in the province. Tool free. Okay, Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. 
Um, Charlie, mm-hmm. uh, I was wondering uh, how to train a wisteria to grow as a tree. Oh. I bought, I bought one this summer, and uh, it's still in its pot, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I uh, think I, uh, I can grow it as a tree. I was wondering how to do that. Okay, so this is a good question. All right, so wisteria is a vine, and it's a very, very big, vigorous vine. And when you see them for sale sometimes uh, with a single stem and then a top, uh, whatever kind of a kind of a big floppy top, they they are pruned like weekly in order to keep them as a single standard tree type plant more typically they are the wisteria is grown as a vine onto something very strong whether it's an arbor or a pergola or the side of the house wisterias get very big and very heavy so we ha- we never put them on a thin little flimsy uh, item uh, very popular plants because when they bloom, they're like, oh my goodness, they're yes, gorgeous. Yes, that's why I bought it because I like the blooms on it. Is it blooming now in the no, pot? No, no, not yet, but uh, the picture on it has uh, <laughs> violet uh, okay. um, uh, blooms on it. The reason I bring that up is because the other thing about wisteria is that they, um, they have to be of a certain age before they will bloom. And uh, they will be sometimes as old as six or seven years old before you see any blooms. And that's why sometimes we try and buy them with blooms on them. And that way we know they're mature enough and should bloom shortly after we install them in the garden. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to try and grow it just out in the middle of the lawn, which is, I think, what you're hoping to do, recognize that you're going to treat it... Keep the lawn away from the base. So, you know, cut a big hole around at least a meter across. Remove the lawn. uh, Plant into a good quality soil. Stake the plant because you're going to want to train it as a single stem. You're going to have to trim. uh, It'll be very short little single stem to start with. But nevertheless, you're going to use stakes to start it in an upright and, and stable way and uh, and over the years you're going to slowly but surely uh, remove side shoots so that it will have a, a, just a regular like a trunk type, right. type stem but they like I say they do get very big and it will take a lot of pruning over the years it will eh? yeah okay but they're lovely so should, I, should I start trimming some of the shoots now uh, I would plant it first mm-hmm. and uh, once it's planted and staked uh, and like I said the lawn's been removed and all that you, you'll have to just see if it's got multiple stems coming from below ground, then yes, you've got to pick one. You've got to right away pick one as your main stem. Usually the strongest and straightest and biggest will be the main stem. Uh, if, however, it already is typically right now only has one stem coming out of the ground, then I would just plant it as is. Okay. Okay. Okay, Charlie. Good luck with that. Let us know how that goes. Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you, Angela. And uh, that uh, call kind of leaves open another line, so I'll just remind you that uh, we have one open line there at 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740 to get to Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show from AM740 with a little reminder, too, that if you happen to miss a show along the way, and you know that that's quite possible with holidays holidays and and all that jazz Mm -hmm. you can uh, just go on our main page uh, our website at am 740 go to podcasts Mm -hmm. and then you can listen to past garden shows that's right okay yeah exactly if you think okay i kind of missed the full answer to the question you can listen again which can be very handy um and uh and the other thing is this is an announcement i didn't get to at the beginning but for anybody who, who's listening right now from the Ancaster area, the Royal Botanical Gardens, as a big thank you to the 
volunteer efforts and hardworking, uh, literally volunteers from Ancaster. They're offering, they're inviting any and all residents of Ancaster to visit the gardens next weekend, July 13th and 14th, between 10 a.m. and 8 p.m., absolutely free. Sounds like a great deal. All you have to do is you have to bring some photo ID Mm -hmm. that has your address on it. And of course, the address, it's the postal codes. Like they, they know what the postal codes are in the Ancaster area. So bring some photo ID with you next weekend and bring friends. The, the, the deal is if one person is an Ancaster resident, bring your friends. They don't have to be Ancaster residents, but it's all free. 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. Uh, and it's just a way of showing appreciation to all the, the supportive community that uh, really makes a difference when it comes to botanical gardens. Excellent. Okay. We're preparing for our final little break and then uh, have a number of pe- people to get to, Charlie, mm-hmm. on uh, the phone there. So let's do that and be back in just a couple of moments here at AM740 Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor here, your sous chef of the garden. That little bell going out to Margaret in Toronto, first-time caller. Hello, Margaret. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Um, what I'm wondering about, I have an apple tree. I ne- never got a dormant spray on early enough this year, mm-hmm. and now I seem to have a lot of diseased apples, mm-hmm. and some of them are falling off the tree. And I'm wondering, can I put these apples in the compost, or should I just put them out with the garden waste. I would put them out with a garden waste. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, you bring up a really good point. I mean, it, it, this has just been a crazy year for diseases with all this high humidity, cool, like hot days, cool nights, high humidity, lots of moisture in the air. We're seeing fungal diseases everywhere. So good garden hygiene. Do not keep anything on your property that has a fungus on it of any kind. So that includes scabby looking apples or, you know, black spot leaves on the roses. As these things either drop or you can reach them and remove them, bag them and send them out with the yard waste. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Your composters just aren't hot, hot enough to annihilate those spores. Mm-hmm. And well, I I usually try to get the dorm on, yeah. on, but the weather got uh, just unsuitable so quickly that I never had a chance to do it. You know. It was a hard spring for that between all the rain and the cool temperatures. It wasn't optimal at any time for spraying. And then you know the, the blossoms started to come out. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. No, that's right. No, okay. Well, thanks very much, Charlie. Thanks, Margaret. I enjoy your prog- program. I listen to it every week when I can. Thank Excellent. you. Okay, thanks. thank you. Have a thanks great weekend. And boy, I don't know, we're doing a lot of harvesting of new listeners here because Maureen in Aurelia, first time caller. Hello, Maureen. <laughs> Good morning. Hello. Welcome to the show. I'm not a new show. listener, but I'm a new caller. A new caller. Well, that's yeah, great. Um, I, ha- I had a plant in my garden, which I think was a member of the onion family, mm-hmm. but my bee bombs took it over or else I mistakenly dug it up. Mm-hmm. And it used to bloom in the early spring with a beautiful purple flower, and then it would shoot up stems that looked like hairballs, and that's what I called it, my hairball plant. Uh, and I'm wondering if you have a name for it, or if I could. I bought it at a wildflower farm, which has since closed. Uh, okay, so I think, all right, and were the leaves kind of furry, a little bit fuzzy? Oh, I knew you'd ask about the leaves, but I think so. Purple flowers, and then when you say shoot up, actually, if the plant you and I are both talking about is the right one, it's actually those purple flowers... Uh, 
go to seed, and it's those seed heads that look like hairballs or fur okay. balls. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So the common name of that is pask flower. P A S Q U E. Yes. And if my brain wasn't frozen right now, I could tell you the Latin name. I, I, I will look it up quickly and tell you before we go off the air. Okay. But, um, but pask flower is the common name of that. Okay, perfect. All right. And is it a bulb or I just got it in a pot and, potted no, it and it's, planted it. It is. What would be considered, um, I believe it's native. Uh, it is something that would be considered a wildflower. It's an early yeah. uh, spring flowering plant and it's lovely. It's very, very pretty. And I had one years ago in my garden and I don't really know what happened to it either. <laughs> it might just be a short-lived plant. Uh, well, it possibly. does. It likes a really sunny spot. It also likes a well-drained soil. It now, was in a very sunny spot yeah. and... The rest of the garden flourishes, so I guess it's all right for drainage. But I just I have a lot of bee bombs too, and I wondered if they had and they could have outgrown it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you see, I just there it is, pulsatilla. You got a pen, P U L S A T I L L A. Okay, pulsatilla. Thank you. Okay. See, I'm just showing Frank some pictures of it here. How pretty! Very pretty indeed. All right, I'll look it up on screen as well. Thank there you, you so go. Much. Thanks for joining us, uh, Maureen. All right, thank you. Yeah, wonderful Bye. place, too, to be on a day yeah, like this, okay. Aurelia. Let's I'll all tell go you. to Aurelia. Have we time for another sailing? Yes, we do. Just if we one. go fast. Okay, let's go. Tony, St. Catharines, welcome to the show. Hello, good, good morning. Morning. Um, I've spoken to you before, Charlie, but this is a question. I've got tomato plants that are reaching for the sky. <laughs> I do prune the leaves, but I'm, you know, I certainly don't touch anything that has fruit on it. Right. Now, what should I, what do you recommend? Should I take the top off them eventually or what? Okay, so assuming you're growing indeterminate tomatoes, which are the ones that just keep growing and growing and growing until I'm growing clusters Mm-hmm. Um, a beef steak mm-hmm. um, and and a sweet one hundred. Yep. Um, what else? Um, okay. I've got some that I got from a neighbor, and I don't know what they are. All right. So those are all varieties that fit into the category called indeterminate. So what that means is that the tip of the the growing tip, the terminal tip of the tomato, will grow forever and ever and ever until it dies, usually in the frost. So mm-hmm. you have two options. If you take the top off, you're going to get a whole bunch of side shoots. So it's going to be a very wide plant. Or you let it reach for the sky as it is going right now, and you don't allow the side shoots. You grow it as a single stem. I have eight-foot stakes on my tomatoes right now because um, that's the kind of height they're getting wow. to this wow. year with all this moisture. Is the growth going to affect the, 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 the quality on the quantity of the fruit? No, it shouldn't. Uh, what will affect the quality and quantity will be the um, uh, value of your soil and also the um, whether we get some heat or not. All right. Yes. Uh, I've got to let you go there, Tony. It's time for us to head out. I'm I'm getting poked in the ribs now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, sharp little level. Thanks for your call. Good luck with that, and we'll talk more about tomatoes. I'm sure because it's it's a right. number one crop. Well, it's been an interesting show, I'll tell you. Well, a thanks for coming really back for it. In. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, <laughs> I assume there was an invitation. Anyway, uh, I barged through the doors anyway. This James, chef. thank you for your, all your help today. Yes, James. Nice to see you exercising for a change. And thanks for all your help. <laughs> and thanks to all our great callers. Absolutely. Keep coming with those questions. You bet. We'll see and you all again. The guys from Dave's Corner Garage, they're, they're getting rolling along here shortly. They are. So lots of good stuff coming on the air. All through the day. And you're here as well. So of course. I'll see you next week. Alrighty. Bye. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.